podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Harry Winks right at the last. Deli Ali. Lanella. To Hugo Lloris. And he saved it. And the foul. Shishoku. Son on mission to go alone. This is sensational. World class. Absolutely stunning. From the Asian Hello and welcome to The Last Word on Spurs. We hope you're keeping safe and well. If you're listening to the show for the very first time, you can find us on iTunes, on Spotify, on Audio Broom, we're across all major audio platforms. You can find us across social media. We're on Twitter at Last Word on Spurs. We're on Facebook and Instagram too. And hey-ho, you go away for 14 days. And what were we thinking trying to do that as Tottenham fans, go away for 14 days? Because so much has happened in the space of a fortnight. And here we are trying to bring you up to date. And it's probably fair to say when this show comes out, we'll probably be outdated because of just what's happening with Tottenham at this very moment in time. I'm delighted to have alongside me. I've got Lee McQueen. I've got John from Lily White Rose. And we're also delighted to be handing out a debut on this show to the wonderful Matt Hayes, who runs a brilliant YouTube channel. We'll be having their guys' thoughts on it. But we're going to jump straight in because it has been a busy 14 days since we last did a podcast and as things stand at the moment, as we're recording on Sunday evening, we have to stress that we're recording on Sunday evening for you. It'll be out at midnight, so your listeners on your Monday morning. Spurs are edging towards the appointment, as we understand, of Nuno Espirito Santo as their next head coach. And in turn, that could really influence the power of super agent George Mendes at the club. But having said this about numerous managers over the last, I don't know, three, four weeks with Spurs, who knows what we're letting ourselves in for? And you know what? I'm going to start with you, Matt. Lovely to have you on the show for the very first time. Matt, what is going on with Spurs' managerial search? Tell us your thoughts. First of all, thanks for having me on. It's a, it's, a, it's an honour to make my debut on the show, so thanks a million for having me. But, um, God, what, what is this managerial hunt? I think uh, you could ask a lot of people that, and not one of them would have a, a good answer to it. On, on the front of Nuno, I think there's there's definitely that kind of mixed reaction among the fan base about this one. And uh, my the, the one main thing I would say about it is if this had happened last season, I think there would have been a lot more positivity uh, within the fan base because, you know, having brought them up, Wolves up from the championship, uh, finishing seventh in two seasons in a row, it was an incredible uh, achievement for him. And his, his stocks would have been a lot higher last season. But of course, the, the failures and the shortcomings of, of last season uh, have definitely affected that reputation a bit. But you do have to take into consideration uh, everything that, that happened there with the injury to Raul Jimenez and them kind of being forced into changing that formation. Uh, a lot went wrong for him and he still managed to, a lot of the time, play good football uh, and get uh, good results last season. But look, for me personally, I'd, I'd rather this appointment didn't happen. And I'm kind of leaning towards the fact that it won't because as we're hearing, as much as Fabio Paratici wants to get this done, it's Daniel Levy who who may not be signing off on it. And look, that'll bring up a, a whole a whole load more questions about Daniel Levy and his, his willingness to actually give that power to the uh, to the director of football. But yeah, no, no, it's, it's definitely a weird one. I think th- there's two things that people have mentioned that I think we have to take notice of. And the first one is uh, he was close to joining Crystal Palace and Everton and both of those fell through. And if he was such a, a target for Spurs, why did we allow uh, Crystal Palace and Everton to get so close to appointing him if we had then uh, wanted to, to come in and get that one done? But I, I do feel in two or three days we'll be sat back here talking about a, a completely different manager, uh, which which may not be the worst thing for Spurs right now. It's a very hard thing for anyone to plan doing any kind of coverage on Tottenham from a social perspective. You know, podcasts, uh, YouTube at the moment with Spurs, anything can change in such a blink of an eye. 
And as we stand here at the moment, it's 67 days since Spurs relieved Jose Mourinho of his duties as their head coach. And since then, we've seen the club hold talks with varied styles of candidates, despite Daniel Levy's clear and very public message to the fans that he wanted to appoint a head coach that would bring free-flowing, free attacking, entertaining football to the club. John, let's come round to you because you've been very vocal, John, on social media in terms of just what Spurs are not doing at the moment. You've said that message of wake up. Where are Tottenham at the moment in your mind and how concerned are you at the moment going into next season about a lack of a plan? Very, very concerned. And, and I'll be honest with you, this managerial hunt and the actions of the club in these 67 days that have passed, they've humbled my position on where we are as a football club, if I'm being honest with you. I used to come on these shows. I used to be super positive, as you know, Ricky. I used to be full of excitement and, and proud to support Tottenham, you know. But the, what I've seen in the last 67 days, I genuinely believe when Mourinho was gone, we could have attracted Brendan Rodgers because we were, or we are, the eighth richest club in world football. We have that stadium. We have that training ground. We have Harry Kane. We have Hummin Son. We're based in London. We're a huge club around the world. I believe we had the people at the club that could have got that over the line. And the actions of the club since then, and since they sat Jose Mourinho, have been amateur. There's no excuse for it, you know. The targets should have been, and were at the beginning, Julian Nagelsmann, Brendan Rodgers, and then a bit later on, Conte and Potch. They are four elite-level managers, top of the game, the sort of managers that any other clubs in that top 10 Deloitte money list would be targeting. And somehow, 67 days on, we're now apparently number one choice for a guy that we were let, happy to let go to Crystal Palace a month ago, unchallenged. That is totally unacceptable. I, I'm, you know, he may have done wonders with Wolves before. They had heavy, heavy financial influence over other championship clubs when they were in the championship. You know, a slight disadvantage, in my opinion, having players the level of Ruben Neves in the championship or Diego Jota. It's just not fair. Um, you know, so they've had that hugely in with Shorgi Mendes, bringing in all sorts of players they would not normally have been able to attract. And, and now they did have two very successful seasons, Wolves, as Matt pointed to. I'm sure losing Jimenez was a huge loss. They also lost Jota to Liverpool. They also lost uh, Doherty. Wherever we think of him as Tottenham fans, he was vital to that system at Wolves and Semedo hasn't been the same. But for me personally... Nuno Santo shouldn't be anywhere near links for a job like Tottenham Hotspur, but that's where we are now. I've had to realise that, and others will have to accept that if they haven't done already, and many have done before me. But I now accept that, that is the level we're fishing at. And that's embarrassing for me. You know, this is a club that within the last two years went to Real Madrid, went to Barcelona, you know, went to Juventus and left three grounds undefeated. Where is the ambition of this? You know, even this year in the disaster of the season under Mourinho, we went to Old Trafford and inflicted their biggest ever or joint biggest ever home Premier League defeat, putting six past them. Where's the ambition to build on that? Why are we going backwards? I don't understand that. We pay the highest prices in European football for tickets. Where's the ambition that matches those prices? It doesn't exist, does it? And it's, it's frustrated me all summer. We've now got pre-season starting on Monday week. We've got no manager. We've had no update on the Gareth Bale situation. His loan expires on Wednesday. It's, it's a shambles. It really is, you know. And we're letting targets move around. People are saying to me, oh, the Euros are on, so it's hard to do business. Liverpool have done business. Aston Villa have done business. Leicester have done business. Wolves have done business. Norwich have done business. What are we doing? We've got plenty of players that aren't good enough to be selected for their countries, for either the Euros or the Copper America, and they're not actively being moved on. And so they're going to come back on Monday week. You know, in their mind, am I going? Am I staying? I've got 12 months left on my contract. It's negative energy again. This was a chance this summer to get the manager in bright and early and make a positive impression so he can move forward with the season. So it's not another season of rebuilding. But again, we're stuck treading water, 
because of issues that are going on away from the football, you know, away from the playing side in terms of the chairman, in terms of Paratici, what he's doing, what he isn't doing, uh, Steve Hitchin, etc. Nobody's, no one's on the same page and it's causing huge problems throughout the club and it's going to mean another transition season and that's not good enough for fans that have waited long enough for success and fans that pay the highest prices in European football. It's not enough and it's not good enough. No, listen, John, I mean, I, 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 you know, I know many of those points, I totally agree with you. And it's one of those things that you know, coming into the show, I thought, you know what, we're going to try and provide a positive spin because I feel so sorry for our loyal listeners that over the last 18 to 24 months, they must think, what is going on with this show? They come on and listen, they think, is it all bad? And it's it's so hard because as fans, and you know, we've been doing this show for what, nearly five years now, it could be five years at Tottenham, and we had the incredible highs of Pochettino and the Mourinho had some great results. And I think we've always been whoever's come onto this show, they've always tried to find as best as they can the positive to kind of latch onto and the hope and, you know, the, the, the thought of glory that, you know, this club is going to get over the line in some form of a trophy. We are going to return to the Champions League. At the moment, it seems so far, far away. And it's very hard asking to come on here and try and be positive when at the moment it feels there's just so much negativity around the club. But we will come on Rick, to Nuno. Rick, Go on, John. Rick, if I could just come in there because I just want to bounce off what you've just said. To me personally, it's, we, I can still be positive. If you said to me now, John, we're going to go out tonight and we're going to get you one of those managers you named or a manager at that level, I believe we've got the playing staff with one or two additions to easily get back in the top four. Even this season, we weren't that many points off the top four. A couple of wins away to Wolves and Palace and Fulham, we're in the top four. You know, We're not that far away. We've still got Harry Kane under contract for three years, whatever anyone else thinks about that. That's a fact. Sonny's allegedly signed the new five-year contract. We've got Hugo Lloris, who's the captain of France. We've got Huy Bear, who's having an outstanding Euros. We've got Joe Roden, who's had a great Euros. We've got Alderweireld and Reguilon. We've got very good players. Skip and Cessignon to come back. If you could just give me some confidence and tell me, look, we're going to get this manager that's a, a top-level manager, a manager that this club deserves and the fans deserve, confidence would be there. I'm telling you, it's, it's not impossible to do well. We just need to get a proper manager. And that would be the start and the catalyst of good energy and good vibes from the fans coming back into the club. I'm desperate to be positive. I hate being negative. I'm not one of these people that thrives off being angry towards the club. I want to be positive. Yeah. I want to, you know, retweet that they're building new softball centres and whatever else and, and be happy with that. But at the moment, I find it challenging that left, right and centre property applications are going in, but we do not have a manager. It doesn't add up to me. The football club should always be the number one part of the club. You know, that's what started first in 1882. It wasn't Tottenham Hotspur you know, building this and building that. It was the football club that mattered and it should be the football club that matters now. And it upsets me because I care so much, you know, I'm desperate for it to be good and I'm desperate for us to go back to all enjoying ourselves and being proud to wear our Tottenham shirts and proud to go to the games and sing the songs. But at the moment, the club make it so difficult by these constant disappointing appointments. And we're going to talk through them tonight, the people that have been linked and, and why they're simply unacceptable and not good enough. You're right, John. And that's the hard thing. You know, it is about pride. It's about feeling that passion again towards the football club. And at the moment, I think it's one of those things that I speak to many Spurs fans and caring as much as what they did is, I think that's just becoming very hard at the moment. Lee, coming around to you, like I said, we haven't touched base for over a fortnight. We have to just refresh where we're at. Spurs have sat out a number of candidates from across Europe in initial months and spoke with former boss Maurizio Pochettino, ex-Chelsea manager Antonio Conte. And I feel once you dangle that kind of carrot in front of fans and then you see what we're being linked with now, I think that's a difficult mindset then to kind of get into to try and be positive in terms of what the next appointment's going to be. We were then linked with Bayern boss Hansi Flick, Ajax coach Herrick Ten Hag to name many, many others. Then the arrival of Fabio Paratici as the club's new managing director of football changed their tack with previously discussed managers coming into the frame. We then saw advanced talks were held with ex-Roma boss 
Paolo Fonseca in Italy. And that deal looked very close, only for then Spurs to apparently pull the deal at the very last moment and switch their attention to former Serie A boss Gennaro Gattuso, who left Fiorentina coincidentally at the time just 23 days once Spurs made that contact. Lee, can you give us a summary of just where Spurs are at in terms of their managerial hunt? Well, first, I mean, I've got a couple of things to say, obviously, because I haven't been on for a while. So firstly, hello, listeners. Um, I am back. It seems like the crazy train hasn't gone anywhere either because we are 67 days a, without a manager. Say, he's gone from a crazy train into a circus. It is totally a circus, mate. I think we're walking straight into the big tent and seeing some elephants and lions getting on some stuff. So trapeze artists are going along. Uh, secondly, I also want to say, um, John, that was absolutely outstanding and probably sums up most uh, how most Spurs fans are feeling um, in your in your in your passion there. I mean, literally, uh, it, let me break it down like this. For me, um, it's been so public this this managerial appointment or no appointment, as it may be. It's been so public. It's actually been. Some people are using using the word embarrassing. Some people are using the word like funny. I've used the word uh, a couple of times, banter club. Um, you know, we, we, we're literally, I remember a few years ago when the whole Mike Ashley thing was going on, like really strong with Newcastle and every so on, every week, something else would come out, something else would come out. People were just laughing at the club. That's what's happening to Tottenham right now. You know, everybody is just, just ridiculous. We're going to try and keep hold of Kane. And, I th- you know, I think, you know, like John just said, he's on four years left on his contract. This guy has been absolutely superb for us from, from what the level of, uh, from the years of eight years old or whatever he's been. Uh, absolutely amazing for us. And we're going to keep the bloke because he's rightly so signed a contract. But how, how, how can you justify trying to keep him in, in that way? We're an utter mess. The thing is with Paratici, and yes, listeners, I just got his name right. Couldn't make that up, right? With uh, with Paratici as well, Levy starts to undermine him if he doesn't start going with his with his managerial choices. And it's, you, you, you're making a rod for your own backs. It's just real, real tough at the moment. Nuno, um, not last season, the season before, when everybody said he'd had a fantastic season, he got walls into Europe, he got 59 points, nine losses and 14 draws. That was the same as us in terms of points. And we want to decline. We are mid-table on the decline. This is a joke. We're a nightmare. You know, we're in a transitional season. And Nuno's done. Jimenez was still um, fully fit. Absolutely outstanding striker. I think we'll agree. I'd have him at my football club all day long. Um, you know, a, a fully fit Doherty running that scored seven goals that season, for example. Um, Connor Cody smashing it up at the back. Uh, Ruben Neves, Jota, all the players. Yet got 59 points. You know, we're walking into a situation where... That's the level that we can be at. And I totally agree with John. You know, when you start, and, and you, Rick, when you, when you said about dangling the carrot, when you start dangling the carrot about Potticino, and when you start dangling the carrot about um, Conte, that's before I parted company with 1,250 quid in my hard-earned cash, right? And everyone else did, right? And, and I know for a fact, don't, don't even worry about this, listeners, and you might know this for a fact, but I know for a fact that my, um, one of my best friends, and uh, he's a season ticket, sits next to me at White Hart Lane. His son's just got offered a season ticket and a 21st, 21,000th on the list, right? 21,000th on the list, and they're getting season tickets. So people are voting for their feet, whether or not we, whether or not we think that they are or they're not. There's some hardcore fans. Of course there are, harder core than, than I am. I've, I've only been a season ticket holder for 10 years or so, member longer than that, of course, but, you know, you, you wait to your opportunities. But the point I'm making is that, People are not renewing if they're getting if they're offering season tickets to uh, to, to people that are 20,000 20, on the list and thirty thousand on the list or whatever it might be. 
it's quite interesting as well. We're not talking about Bale because admin, Spurs admin are not talking about Bale the other day. I saw a tweet from them the other day. Good luck to Hoiberg and to Davis and to Roden. No good luck to Bale. So what? He's, he's definitely not coming back. Do they know that already? This, you know, no moving players on, as you just said, John. This is absolutely ridiculous. We've still got players that are going to be starting pre-season in what in, in seven days' time or whatever it is, and then they shouldn't even be at the football club. You know, this is this is a massive job for anybody coming in, and I think that's part of the problem that we can't find somebody to come and take the job. I mean, I, I read yesterday that, and look, whatever I say here, I'll tell you who are now my. Um, uh, my colours to the mask in terms of who I want as our manager but whatever I say I'm not saying I want this person or not I'm just saying what I read um, I read yesterday or, or this morning that Graham Potter would reject a move to Tottenham are you having a laugh? no not being funny are you, cause, because, because he wants to go to a top four club I mean this is ridiculous Graham Potter is rejecting Tottenham I mean how arrogant do I sound right now but we're on a Spurs pod so why wouldn't I be this is a joke you know, you look at the Mendes, Jorg Mendes, if I've probably got his name wrong, so sorry about that, but he's, he, he won't mind. Mendes, yeah, exactly. Mendes has absolutely got something to do with this. Gattuso was an utter disgrace. Even to be linked with him is utter disgrace in some of the stuff that he's done. And I was very vocal on Twitter about that myself, um, as well as everybody else. And now now Nuno is part of uh, your um, uh, George Mendes as well. Now, you, you've got to be looking at all this sort of stuff and thinking, what is going on here? Is this is this just jobs for the boys? Yeah, not, not being funny. Is this jobs for the boys or is this job is this job for the for, for you know for, for the best person? I'm not saying man, because I've, I've always thrown thrown him a hazy uh, hat in the ring like two months ago. Now the reality is the best person for the job right now, Palace and Everton, maybe he didn't take Palace and Everton because he had a sniff that he could come at Tottenham. Maybe, you know, I'm trying to put a spin on that match. To be fair, I don't know if that's a positive one. I'm trying to put a spin on it. 67 days without a football manager with pre-season friendlies, uh, um, not even uh, signed off properly, pre-season training, and you're trying to get the world's best number nine to, to, to carry on playing with you. I mean, not being funny, it's an utter joke. Somebody needs some leadership in his football club and we haven't got it. I think from a, from a, from a manager perspective, my expectations... And wrongly, in, in, in my opinion, but probably rightly for the situation, have gone down because, you know, everything is being played out so heavily in the media. I mean, it's actually comical to think that we could even get Conte. Like, it's actually quite comical now to think about that, to think about that we could get Conte. It's quite clear the type of manager that we need and what, what, what we should need for the football club. We've got no money unless we sell Kane. And I don't think that's going to happen. And if we do sell Kane, it's going to be an absolute nightmare for the rest of the season for, um, for, uh, for, for Tottenham fans and the board, right? Then we ain't going to get over that. So I don't think he's got a choice. I don't think he can be selling Harry Kane, our best ever player for the football club, in my opinion. So if you're keeping Kane, we've got no money. So if we've got no money, we have to bring in somebody that is good with the youth. And obviously we've got John and Lily White Rose here today to talk about that anyway. But you've got to have somebody, you know, you've got Sessignon coming back. You've got Anderson that's heavily, heavily linked with a football club. Um, rightly or wrongly, but he's heavily linked as a, as a fantastic centre-back coming to a football club. Um, you've got um, Skip coming back that come through the youth and, and come through the ranks. You've got all of the other youngsters, you know, Scarlett and all these other guys that, that John will talk about. You've got Scott Parker, who's just about to, uh, or it might have been happening now already, he's going he's gonna to quit Fulham to go to Bournemouth. Why aren't we talking to Scott Parker? Now, I'm not, t- I'm, I'm, I, listeners, let me be clear. I'm not saying that I wanted Scott Parker. I wanted Potticino. 100% I wanted Potticino. But where we are right now, compared to a Nuno Spirito Santo, 
we've got somebody who's a bit of a legend at the football club. He's played for, for the football club. He's one best player of the year or football writers of the year for the football club. He's, he knows the football club inside out. He's, he's managed at the youth level and understands the players that we've got coming through, which he's going to have to work with. What, what, and Can I just say, in, in defence, Nuno, for a second, Nuno has obviously managed in the Europa League. He has had three uh, three years' worth of experience in the Premier League, has managed, you'd arguably say, some decent players. I'm not sitting here saying that Nuno's no, for as I'm championing, uh, but I no, think no. where we are uh, at the moment. I agree, I agree, but sorry to yeah. cut you off. I, I agree with yeah. that. And again, I'm not one of these people. I, I, I tweeted this the other day that uh, uh, hashtag no to Nuno was trending number four. It was number four at the time. I got battered. Oh, you're embarrassing this. I, wasn't, I didn't invent a hashtag. I wasn't saying that I agreed with it or not. What I was saying is it was just number four. It ended up being number one at the end, at the end of the day, boys. It ended up being number one. And we will come around to John and ask him why that was the case. We will. We, we will. I'm sure, I'm sure that we'll be able to get some insight on that. I think the point I'm making is that I don't think Nuno is a real bad appointment. But I think Nuno is an appointment that, like Matt said right at the top of the show, is uninspiring on the basis that we've just had Jose Mourinho parking the bus for the last 18 months. And we... we I don't think we can stomach that. I think we could stomach finishing in a Europa League place and playing attacking football and losing, you know, more games and winning different games and whatever because of the, the style of play versus, you know, if we're going to finish sixth, right, I've just told you Nuno's record, right, for, for, for the last few years. He's, he's, you know, he's a top eight, top nine side with Wolves. Now, have we got much better players than the Wolverhampton Wanderers? Maybe you can say yes. So would he push us on to a, a top five finish? Maybe. But playing the football that he does, right? That's that's what I'm saying. Would I take a Connor Cody right now in our defence? Yeah, I would. Right now, I would. Would I take a Matt Doherty fight flying in all cylinders like Nuno had him play? Yeah, I would. Would I take Jimenez when he's back? Hopefully, pray, pray that he gets back fit. Yeah, hundred percent, I would because I think he's brilliant. But but the point I'm making is that. 59 points from his best ever season at Wolves with them players that I've just talked about, plus Raul Patricio, plus um, um, Neves that, that we mentioned earlier. Now, they've got, they've got a good side, 59 points. That's not very inspiring. And that's the point that we're making. No, Scott, I'm not saying Scott Parker will do anything. Arguably, he got relegated. You can say, what are you on about, Lee? The crazy train's back. You're just talking rubbish. What I'm saying is, but he probably played the best football in the bottom half of the league. Right, he probably played the best football in the bottom half. Didn't have a striker, proper, uh, a man to put the ball in the back of the net. You could argue with our front three, if Bow does stay, that should be different under a Parker leadership. Look, I now my colours to the mask, as I said before. I don't want the managers at my football club. I want Potticino. Ain't going to happen. I want Brendan Rodgers. If, if there's a chance, if there's a slim chance now that we get Eric Ten Hag, I'd have him all day long. I think Eric Ten Hag could be perfect. For, for Tottenham Hotspur football. Just to say, we've seen Ajax have just started pre-season training today, so I think it's probably unlikely now. That's what we I mean, would, mate. We That's what get, I mean. Yeah. Where'd you go? Yeah, well, we are going to discuss Nuno Espirito Santos' credentials in more detail, but just to throw in some listener questions, we had a number of them here for our listeners, over 70 questions in, so thank you ever so much. Just to give a flavour of what we've had in, Shane O'Sullivan says, has Levy clipped Paratici's wings already following the Fonseca farce? I think he's backing away from footballing decisions. I guess all roads lead to Levy in the end. What a mess. Ross Nolan says, are you losing the will to follow any Spurs-related news anymore? The Euros have been some light relief from the Spurs a coaster, he says here. Mark Salter says, I've supported Spurs for 54 years. I've seen players come and players go, but I've never seen the club I love in this much of a mess. Never. We are an undesirable club to play for or manage. That's down to Mr Levy. So I only see one way out and it's not rocket science. Now, 
I just want to try and bring some some kind of hope, some kind of therapy, therapy to this show because it can be tricky. I want to come and ask you, Matt, directly because we've seen the appointment of Paratici and that was met with some real hope, some real vigour that we've actually got a man in here that's going to manage the football industries of the football club over the course of the last seven to 12 days. Even that now seems to be a bit clouded because it seems, you know, Paratici's got his idea of what he would like the Spurs coach to look like, maybe more of a defensive, conservative approach. Daniel Levy, as we've seen from his brief that he asked for, a manager that does want to play that free-flowing attacking football, it's two different brands. So I want to ask you, do you feel already that Paratici's been undermining in the role and he's not even started yet until the 1st of July? I mean, tell us your thoughts. Yeah, it's it's a very strange situation. Um, I, I was probably one of the most optimistic and most positive fans out there when uh, when even when the news started breaking on Fabio Paratici because it, over the last four or five months I've kind of been looking into the, the idea of a director of football and looking at ones around Europe and Paratici was definitely one who stood out because when he first went into Juventus they were of course just after their uh, big scandal just back up into the top division I think finished seventh the first season he was at the club before he actually took over the role of a director of football then in the 10 years when he was director of football they they won the league each time excluding last season when, when Inter Milan ended that run and I, I think I, it was said on Twitter and I fully agree with it that the, the best way you can kind of look at Paratici and what he did at Juventus is looking at the the farewell message they gave him on their website and the sheer love and, and passion that they had for that man and what he actually achieved for the club and the credit they gave him for Juventus's successes over the last decade or so tells you everything you need to know about him and he's such an astute uh, man in the transfer window I think everybody knows about the free signings he's made uh, over during his time there even more recently the likes of Aaron Ramsey Adrian Rabio back at the start with Paul Pogba from United who of course made a, a 90 million pound profit on Andrea Pirlo who at the time was a player that everybody was thinking was coming to the end maybe after the MLS or something after leaving AC Milan he got him in there and got him to lead them to four uh, Serie A titles the likes of uh, Lucio as well it maybe didn't work out as well as the others uh, but even on the flip side of that like he is the man who convinced Cristiano Ronaldo to leave uh, Real Madrid and move to the Serie A, which is something that I don't think any of us really uh, thought would happen. So the positivity there was was absolutely warranted when he came into the club. And I, I know the concerns were there definitely within the fan base and from what I've heard within the club uh, from when it actually happened that Daniel Levy wouldn't quite be able to to renounce the, the footballing kind of decisions and the power in that. And I kind of felt as though initially he would. And then a few years down the line, if things kind of started to go wrong, well, then he'd probably butt in and, and try and get his way again. I didn't for a second imagine it would be three weeks into the time that things would start to go wrong and he'd butt in. Um, but I fully agree. It's there, There's so much uh, room for things to go wrong. When he comes out on the last day of the season and says, we want a manager who plays attacking football, who plays free-flowing, energetic, uh, with the Spurs DNA, whatever that is nowadays. And then he immediately goes out for for a man like Paratici, who I wouldn't say in himself is known for defensive football, but comes from a footballing culture that is one of the best out there at defensive football. And look at, looking at the players he's had at Juventus, like you know Benucci, Chiellini, Barzagli, those uh, proper uh, Italian defenders, there's always going to be that aspect of uh, a bit of a difference there between their own uh, footballing ideas and their footballing traditions. And that, that right there was problem one. And I think one of the main things that really tells you uh, just how bizarre that situation was, that Spurs fans were sitting here feeling sorry for Steve Hitchin and actually kind of being on the side of him and, and supporting him in the matter because uh, as far as we know, it was kind of behind Hitchin's back that he went out and got Paratici. Uh, and then that's for me where this managerial thing completely went off the rails. After having that one uh, list that Hitchin made out initially, that one kind of idea, that one type of manager we were looking for, completely thrown that out the window and going uh, uh, the complete opposite direction with whatever Paratici wanted. And that is a fantastic idea if it works. 
but it's a massive risk. And if it doesn't work, well, then there's a huge problem there. And I said the same with uh, when we were looking to bring in Antonio Conte and Pochettino. It's outstanding that we here as fans are sitting, uh, trying to decide, like, we're, we're spoiled for choice, which is the better option? Is it, is it Conte or Pochettino? But if that didn't work, if we ended up with neither of them, well, then that could be the, the end of Daniel Levy and the, the kind of tolerance that some fans have for him and what he's doing at the club. I think he somehow managed to recover it with Fonseca. And I, I don't know if it's just what I've seen on Twitter, if, if you have a different opinion, but I kind of felt initially with Paolo Fonseca, people were upset about it. They were uh, they were saying, well, why are we taking a Roma reject, the guy who is, is being replaced by the man that we've just let go. But there was that element of people kind of starting to accept that because we had the time to look into him a bit more and, and kind of figure out what he was about and see that maybe his failures within Roma weren't purely down to his own uh, tactics and his own managerial capabilities, but maybe some kind of outside influences and the fact that he was competing with some very strong teams over there. So we kind of started to, to agree with that appointment and see there, there could be a positive side to that. And then it's immediately whipped out from underneath us and we get that whole Gattuso thing, which is the first time, uh, it's the first kind of really big decision that Paratici made and it's the worst possible decision he could have. And the Gattuso, I was very vocal on the no to Gattuso thing as well. I think he is, the the stuff that he's done in the past, the stuff that he, uh, I don't want to maybe not say stands for, but the stuff that he seems to stand for are, are disgusting and as a representative of the club not one fan would want that and I think the fans are right to obviously make their voices heard in that but immediately all that positivity surrounding the the incoming of Paratici and what he could possibly possibly bring to the club is immediately flattened and we're looking at well is this maybe the biggest mistake we've made within this whole debacle that Paratici being the man in charge of this could be a very detrimental thing for the club and with the, the type of manager we're looking at now um, and the, the people we've missed out on maybe maybe this could be the worst thing that we've done. I've got to say, coming around to you, John, I feel Matt hits now on the head there with Paratici. And, you know, when he was brought in, there was such a feeling that, do you know what, at last, we've got someone in that's going to manage the football decisions. Daniel is going to step aside, focus on more on the business side of the football club. But the problem is, when his first option was to, you would say, number one, Paolo Fonseca, I, I would agree with you, Matt. I think mentally as Spurs fans, at the start we heard the name and you had the carrot, like I said at the start of the show, dangled in front of you of Conte and Pochettino. You had to mentally come to terms with Fonseca. Then we did a bit of research. You looked into his background. I'm not saying the guy was a, a world-class manager because he wasn't. He was a guy that was probably still learning on the job to some degree and had some relative decent success in Ukraine, whatever you want to make of that. But we were mentally come to terms with thinking, you know what? Okay, he does play a brand of football that, you know, as Spurs fans, we want to see an attacking brand. And it may take us some time to accept that, but we'll come to terms with that. To have that then whisked away, and then the name Gennaro Gattuso put in front of us, and you were thinking, well, hold on a second. You know, we've been sold this idea that we're going to be returning to the DNA of the football club. John, as you made it very clear and eloquent on your platform, you know, Gattuso is everything that Tottenham are just not from a DNA perspective. So I just want to ask you now where you're at with Paratici, bearing in mind the guy hasn't actually officially started the role. Do you feel there's a, there's a situation where he's already been undermined by Daniel Levy? And do you trust him to make the right call now with whoever the manager is that we go on to a point? Look, I feel a bit sorry for him, if I'm being honest with you. He's come into something. He's been told, Daniel Levy told the fans in that video he released, I'm passing over the football decisions to this guy. I trust him. I've worked with him over a number of years. He's done great things at Juventus for 11 years. But he's come in. He's been undermined, and rightly so, on the Gattuso decision because that would have been an absolute disaster. We've talked about all the stuff he did away from the football pitch, but also on the football pitch, his results were absolutely abysmal. You know, he was sacked or moved on from all sorts of clubs over a two, three-year period. He was an absolute disgrace of it even to be linked to a club like Tottenham. Um, and yeah, he's probably thinking now, Paratici, what have I got myself in for here? I'm, I'm suggesting names and the job title and the remit that I've been asked to do. And you're now telling me no or pulling things at the last minute. So 
It's just another mess and it adds another layer of incompetence onto the board structure. We needed less layers. I wanted Hitchin gone. We still got Hitchin. I've got another one. You couldn't make it up, honestly. It's like, I was going to say, George, do you still want Hitchin to be in more control now? No, no, no. I want, you know, Hitchin should have been gone. You can't have, you know, somebody else who's got their ideas. You've undermined him, basically. You can't bring someone else in and say you're now dealing with him. You know, it just doesn't work. You wouldn't have that in any normal business structure. You'd get rid of one or the other. You know, and now Paratici's in. I've seen people suggesting that Paratici might go before he even starts. You know, he might just say, look, this ain't for me. This is too much stress. You know, it's unorganised, it's chaos. I've worked at Juventus before for 11 straight years, one X, Y and Z. I've never seen anything like this, you know. We think like that as fans. Imagine how he feels. He's come over from Italy, from Juventus, you know. They're one of the stellar clubs in world football to this. This absolute shambles of an organisation. I mean, it's unbelievable. It really is. And, and where do we go from here? And his choices, I mean, the, the choices so far have been a disaster. As we said with Fonseca, we as fans grew to accept him. I find that quite depressing anyway, but I did as well. You know, because I looked into his attacking football, I thought, I oh, will have a bit of that. You know, at least it'll be enjoyable again after what we've suffered with Mourinho and that negative part of the bus football. But, you know, the fact that we lowered ourselves, that Fonseca was going to be fine, you know, that's depressing to even suggest. It really is, but we did. I did they it. Want head. They did want it. Matt did it. Yeah. He did it. He's depressing, mate. You know, this is the guy that won a couple of titles with, with Shakhtar. You know, me and you could do that, Rick. I'm not being funny. They get an influx of Brazilian players each and every season, the you know, cream of the creme that go there to then build their profile. Willian, Fernandinho in the past, Tyson, a whole load of them. Uh, and, you know, and then he went to Roma and finished uh, seventh, I think. And, and it's just, what are we doing being linked with him? It doesn't add up to me. But, but there we are. We've been linked with these managers. As Lee said, I'd much rather Scott Parker than Fonseca or Nuno. You know, someone that knows the club inside out. It wouldn't it's be a like project, John, isn't it? You can get a of project out is. of Parker. You can say, look, it's the next four years, five years. This is where we're going. This is what we want to do. You know, 100%. To, 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 to be fair to, um, to some of these managers that have been thrown in, thrown in the hat and that we don't even know whether all of them, uh, you know, have been linked to it and so on and so forth. And, you know, a lot of them, you know, what we're talking about today is definitely had talks with them and definitely, you know, nearly got the job by all accounts. Um, but you know, you look at a Potticino when he first when he first came, we didn't really know who he was. He'd done a couple of good things at Espanyol, won a won a Spanish super cup or whatever it was. You know, didn't really put up any trees, went to Southampton, got them playing really far, you know, front foot attacking high pressing football, uh, produced basically half the England squad. Um, you know, it was a Ricky Lambert and the Luke Shaws and you know, every, everyone else that come through during that period of time. But he didn't he didn't do anything, he didn't win anything at the at the time. Then we had him. And I remember going mad. I remember thinking, what we're doing is just a yes, man. We need to go and get Rafa Benitez, I was thinking, I was saying at the time. How long was I? Amazing manager. So maybe a Fonseca could be that. Maybe somebody. But we. But the point being is, whoever the manager is, guys, whoever the manager is, listeners, right now, we need a plan. We. I need the club. I, I'm, Scott, I'm sorry. I need the club to come and say to me, as a paying fan and customer, if you want to call me that, uh, you know, some people do, you know, I want the club to say, this is who we are. This is where we are right now. And this is where we're going. This is the plan. Get on the train with us and let's go, baby. And that's what we need. I don't want to make it ju- uh, juvenile and, 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 you know, joking and stuff. This is true. This is, you need a plan. At the moment, it feels like we're going, uh, oh yeah, 
George Mendes, he managed, he's got Fonseca. Let's have a chat with him. Uh, oh, Gattuso. Oh, yeah, he might be a good one. Let's have a chat with him. Uh, oh, Nuno. Oh, yeah, he's a George Mendes. I mean, let's and be so honest. publicly, and so publicly totally. as well. Look, let's look on the positive here, right? No matter what happens, now we've got Paratici inside. We might go and sign Ronaldo or James Rodriguez or Diogo Costa. If or they fancy Jao Felix. conference football on a Thursday, that's all I would suggest. Do you know what I mean? Jao Felix might come. Bernardo Silva might fancy a move if we do a bit of a Harry Kane swap out. Otamendi, I can see can, that. I can ask you, just, just the names you're reading off there, but all, just to kind of... All Mo- yeah. Mendes, these are all Mendes. But I must ask you, just, just this link with Paratici and with regards to, obviously, where we're at now in terms of Levy. Again, numerous questions are in here. Um, I will read just a couple of these out. Uh, Jack DeVal says, it doesn't really matter who the manager is. Paratici seems to be making all the decisions, player recruitment, formations, playing style. The new manager will clearly be a yes man. The unfortunate thing is that Paratici clearly doesn't know what he's doing. Michael Green says, how concerning is it that it appears Levy and Paratici do not have a similar belief on preferred style. You would have thought that would have been part of the interview process. Just very quickly, will this work, Lee, long-term? Do you see Paratici and Levy coming together to actually maintain a force here where this relationship will work? This has always been the million-dollar question whether yeah. a sporting director will work at Tottenham. Very difficult. It's like what Matt said. I think you hit the nail on the head, Matt, when you said earlier about Paratici, how much they revered him at Juventus, who've been there such a long period of time. We want that stability at Tottenham, and... All of us, I can't say all of us, so forgive me, listeners, but the majority of the listeners of this show and everyone that I speak to and interact with on all different platforms wanted a a change. They wanted Daniel Levy to take a step back back and let somebody else come in and run the football side of the club. Um, And Paratici is the man. That's what they've chosen. And, you know, he's got an amazing credentials, as Matt talked about before. So, no, I I think that if if it's going to work, and this, this is where I'm really torn, Rick and, and listeners, right? Because if it's going to work, you've got to let Paratici do his job. So you've got to let him make the decisions if that's what he's in here to do. But the minute you turn around and go, oh, no, 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 you can't have Gattuso. Like that. Oh, no, 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 you can't have Fonseca. Oh, no, 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 you can't have Nuno. Where do you go from there? That's what John was saying. It's like, well, all of a sudden, is, is Paratici's role untenable already? If, 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 and it's a big if, guys and listeners, if that's happening. We don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Let's look at it on the positive side. It is a mess, and we're, we're trying to get through this spaghetti, as it were, Tottenham per spaghetti, and we're trying to make sure that we're getting some straight lines. Maybe they're working really hard to get them straight lines, right, to unsort the mess out, and maybe they are on the same page, and Daniel Levy and uh, Paratici are on the same page, and they are having these conversations. Unfortunately, like you said, Rick, it's in public. They're having these discussions about managers if you're a manager matt ricky john anyone that's listening to us right if you're a manager and you're thinking best stadium in the world amazing training ground best striker in the world human son one of the best uh, uh forward play pe- people in, in, in world football as well um you know gareth Bale potentially you know we've got some phenomenal players and dumbele with potential or celso potentially if you ever get past 67 minutes uh potentially whatever you've got all these potential players great academy and whatever yet you haven't been spoken to and you know that five, eight, ten, whatever many it is now, 11 managers have been close to getting the job. How do you feel when that phone rings and you go, oh, you're right, do you want to come work for Tottenham? And it goes back to my Graham Potter point. Are you actually having a laugh that Graham Potter would say no to Tottenham Hotspur? I think it just sums it up, doesn't it, Rick? Yeah, Lee, can I just come in, come in there briefly? I mean, the other thing with all these such public chases after managers and, and you know everything out in the public domain at the point when we were going for Portugal Conte 
we had a position of strength there. We were seen as a big club going after big managers. At that point, we could have also made a call to the likes of maybe Joachim Lowe to say, look, you fancy doing this after Germany at the Euros. Or we could have gone to Zidane, who was just sat by Real Madrid. I know it sounds crazy now because we've lowered our expectations so far that we're getting turned down by Graham Potter. But at that point, we were morale was high. Stock was high, right? We were seen as a, a big club. We're in talks with Conte. Potter saying he might drop PSG to come back and manage us, you know? But by lowering our standards so low, we call up these managers now, Zidane or Joachim Lowe, and they just laugh at us. They say, oh, no, you're getting turned down by Potter. No chance, you know? And that's depressing in itself. It really is. Like, you look at the whole Parker... Sorry, just quickly, but you look at the whole Parker situation, and Parker might not be uh, even being approached, but if he's been approached and he's taking the Bournemouth job, we have seriously got a problem here, lads and listeners, haven't we? We've seriously got a problem. Yeah, I've seriously got a problem. Listen, we are going to go for a very short break. When we return, we'll be discussing Nuno's credentials as things stand at the moment. He's been very, very closely linked to being Spurs' next manager. We'll have a brief chat on Nuno and then what Spurs' plans are for pre-season. Not much at the moment, to be honest with you, but we'll touch on that as well. So do not go anywhere. We'll be back after this very, very short break. Phoenix 51 is a powerful employee technology enabling organizations to make data-driven decisions at every stage of the employee journey from hiring through benchmarking and development too. The platform provides detailed analytics on the most important asset in your business, your people, enabling organizations not only to make the correct hiring decisions, but also how to benchmark, train and retain them. Phoenix 51 powering your people decisions through every part of the employee journey. Hello and welcome back to the second half of The Last Word on Spurs. I promise if you're listening, uh, we are going to try it and make it a bit more upbeat. It's one of those things at the moment, isn't it? We're trying our best to find some positives. Um, good news is Spurs are returning formally to our lives in, what, less than two or three weeks, I would say, with pre-season underway. Yes, we haven't got a manager. Yes, we haven't made any signings. Yes, we haven't moved the Deadwood. Uh, Apart from that, it's all great, but there you go, it's uh, the life of Spurs, what can I say? Matt, I want to come around to you because where we stand at the moment with regards to Nuno is we believe Daniel Levy is still undecided in a, in basically earmarking that appointment because of the style of football. And I think his concern is that there's going to be a real overreaction on that first home game of the season against Man City. Now, looking at those fixtures, I know it sounds bizarre, Matt, I'm looking at it from a positive that thinking if whoever comes in gets off to a win, that's a great start for the new manager, despite all the chaos of what's been crazy and what we now 68 days without a manager in place and, um, you know, so much going on. But there is still that real opportunity. And John mentioned so many positives in terms of, you know, Sessignon coming back, Skip coming back, Son, how are going to sign this new deal? Harry, when we look at Harry Kane's situation, you would think it's going to be a bit of upwards 150 million to lure him away. So I just wonder, Matt, you know, if we talk about Nuno for a second... Is there any positives for you in terms of that type of manager that could work at Tottenham? <laughs> it's a tough question, I won't lie. Um, look, I, I think with, with whatever manager we, we do win in, they, they, we'll always be able to, to find those positives. I think one that you can look at when Nuno straight away is that he has that Premier League experience. Uh, it was one of the, the kind of main things on that uh, job spec that Levy and Hitcher made up initially. We want somebody who, who knows the league, who has worked in the league, and who could have that little bit of insight that perhaps... Uh, you know, a manager from a different league and Eric Ten Hag or uh, uh, Paolo Fonseca may not have. So him knowing the league is, is that bit of an advantage. Um, I, I think that the whole thing with Levy uh, saying that we, you know, he's afraid about the reaction of the fans in the first game of the season, I think shows just how much he realises that in a roundabout way, Spurs were lucky not to have fans on the ground last season because I think things could have gone a, a lot sour, a lot faster. I think if, if you want to look at a, a potential positive on the Levy front, 
the fact that he he turned down, or from from what some of us have heard, he turned down Antonio Conte because of his reluctance to use the youth. I think the names Oliver Skip and Ryan Sessegnon spe- specifically were mentioned. And now there's a bit of a concern here with Nuno that he may not be the best manager to to work with youth as well. I think that is if you if you are looking for positives, a way to kind of say that maybe Levy is looking more towards that Spurs DNA than perhaps we'd, we'd have realised. And that is something that we know we as Spurs fans and Spurs as a club for so long have, have really, really valued. So it is good that he's looking at, at that side of things. But look, just follow on for everyone. Like the, the, the fact that Nuno is, is the standard of manager that we are looking at, having had that carrot dangle in front of us, is it, it's it's difficult to, to pluck too many positives out of that one. Um, the European experience as well is a good one. I think the the fact that is it uh, was it Duncan Castles I think on the transfer in the podcast said uh, Nuno was unsure about the job and all that. I think personally, from the point of, of managers turning us down, as much as you can of course look at Daniel Levy and the the power struggle that we're apparently witnessing now with Fabio Paratici and the the lack of backing in the transfer window, I I don't think the players are completely uh, void of of blame on this one because. Uh, I think Jamie Daly Hosper uh, put it absolutely fantastically around the towards the end of, of Mourinho's tenure in that ex- exactly what Mourinho does is what he needs is every single member of that squad to completely and 100% buy into what he wants to do and his tactics and his philosophies, as much as those players may disagree with it and as much as we know a lot of Spurs players did, did disagree with it, you need to buy into it to make it work because it's, he's proven that it would work. And the very fact that Harry Kane is one of the players who was publicly vocal about wanting to and being happy to play the way that Mourinho plays, I think that tells you everything. And if you're a manager right now who's coming into Spurs, as much as you may have those worries of uh, Daniel Levy not backing you in the window and whatever's going on within that board, the squad should be a way for you to look at it and say, well, I get the chance to work with players like Harry Kane, Hoyman Son, uh, Toby Olivier, Regal and Lloris, all these incredible players. But right now, if I was a manager who, of course, has no affiliation to Spurs, looking at that squad, I'm thinking, well, in, in Damley, is, is he going to play for me? In six months' time, if he has a bad couple of games, if he doesn't like what I'm doing, is he going to play for me? Uh, Erle Lamella, La Salsa, are they going to stay fit? Uh, Eric Dyer, Ben Davis, all these players, you're wondering, are they actually going to play for me? And it comes down to this player power and the complete lack, lack of respect that I think these players would have for them, a manager like Nuno or like Fonseca. And I think that, for me, that's a problem that's not really been spoken about enough. And I completely agree with what Lee and John were saying in that we do have a very strong squad and that we're not if you're looking purely uh, on the basis of quality of players, we're not that far off the top four. We're not that far off, I'd say, every team excluding Manchester City in the Premier League because we do have, uh, if you're looking at a a perfect 11, we have a very strong team, but it's the mentality and it's the attitude of those players that is is rubbing off on everyone around them. And I think to a large extent as well, rubbing off on the fans because we're here speaking about the fact that the standard of manager that we're looking at has really lowered and, you know, that kind of going to be uh, accepting of, of Paolo Fonseca potentially coming in. I'm not criticising fans for that because I'm exactly in that same boat and I know, you know, laugh at the fact that I sat on camera and said, I think Antonio Conte will be our next manager. But it's hard for that mentality not to rub off on you when it's what you're seeing on the pitch every week. When you're watching your team go 1-0 up against Fulham and and, lo- and sit back and try and defend that lead for 85 minutes and eventually Eric Dyer loses a header to a 5-foot-5 winger and that's what's beating you. It's, it's hard not to get that. And, and on the point of those leads, uh, uh, I was talking to a Wolves fan last week uh, on Nuno Espirito Santo and, and he told me he's a carbon copy of Jose Mourinho and one of the things that he does is he likes to defend slender leads when the potential to go out and get another couple of goals is there and if, if we're in for another 12, 18, 24 months of that I think the those season ticket numbers are going to be a lot lower in two years time Well I mean Lee mentioned that point earlier about you know his, his friend about how low down he was on the, on the list of a season ticket and he's been offered one I mean John I want to come round to you because um, you have not been shy in terms of giving your vocal opinion on Nuno. So Jordan at Jordan Trail, and we'll ask you the question straight here, John. He says, do you think the no to Nuno hashtag was necessary? What do you think? Absolutely, yes. He's proven the only way the club listened to us. You know, it's all well and good us talking on here, 
people tweeting stuff. Like that. Unless you put something out there and it gets public attention and you get journalists saying, oh, this is trending number one, that's what pricks the attention in those head offices at Tottenham. I'm telling you as a fact. It worked with Catuso and we did it for different reasons with Catuso. You know, some people have got confused saying, oh, you shouldn't use it for this. You should only save it for big things. Why, it's yeah. the only way they listen to us. They do not listen otherwise. They just do what they want and we'll have a disaster of an appointment in in uh, in him. So I had to say something and I'm pleased I did. I'm pleased I got it to number one, you know, because I felt like that had a big part of it. And, you know, and I hope second thoughts have happened now because I could see that appointment of Nuno being a complete disaster. And I don't want it to happen at Tottenham. We desperately need a, a proper manager to come in and sort this mess out. We've mm-hmm. treaded water. I've gone backwards for two years. We have to just even start moving forward slowly this year. Can I ask you, you know, he said he was a proper manager. You know, we've been, as you know, it's it's public. We've been in talks with, you know, trying to get Pochettino back. Talks of Antonio Conte. Apparently, Eric Tan Hag, there was initial, you know, an initial conversation. It didn't go down too well from, again, sources from what we understand. I just wonder at what point I look at Nuno. And again, I'm not sitting here saying he's my first choice. But what I do know about Nuno is, listen, he's been in the Premier League for three seasons. He's managed in the Europa League. He's managed some decent players. For me, when I look at it, the worrying thing is, like you say there, um, I would say he's a counter-attacking manager more in the vein of Mourinho. I, I yeah, would say no, that. And and our fans won't stomach that again. Our fans mm. in the stadium, which hopefully we're going to have for next year, yeah. will not stomach this again. I'm sorry. This going 1-0 up when you've got Kane, Son and Bale and then parking the bus and not trying to kill the game, the fans will not stomach it. Look, the fans had a chance to go back in against Aston Villa. Those fans that went in were our most passionate hardcore fans. They paid 60 quid for that. I didn't pay it because I didn't want to pay 60 quid for that. They paid 60 quid. These are the people that... I didn't pay it either, mate. You didn't Just pay to it. Enjoy, I didn't pay it either. The people that paid it bleed blue and white, right? They are, they are diehard core fans that, that cannot get away from Tottenham. They went in, they booed, right? People will not stand this negative football carrying on and the malaise the club is in. People want to see positive football. People would kill for the days of, you know, someone like Aaron Lennon on the right wing and that noise of the seats going up of the you know, the old stadium. People want excitement. People want a reason to get behind the team. And, you know, but we're not getting that at the moment. And people won't stand Nuno. A couple of couple of games like that, you know, get past the Man City game. Newcastle at home, for example, is a game we normally struggle in. We go one up in that and start sitting back. People ain't going to be happy. I'm telling you. So that cannot happen. They're has it, has it all been up. negative though? With, with regards to, you know, John, I do hear what you're saying on the whole, but when I look at his spell at Wolves, when they first came up the first couple of seasons, they had the best managerial, uh, sorry, the best defensive record alongside Liverpool and City. They were so mean in defence in those first couple of seasons. Granted, like you said, there was a lot of money that went in there from George Mendes. They had Yota and they had a, obviously a prime Doherty playing very, very well. And of course, Ruben Neves, as a, you know, as we've mentioned. But I just, I do, I do wonder whether there's more to him. You know, he has got all so whether you think about him, he has got this development piece of embracing younger players, getting the best out of them. You speak but, to a lot of players, you know, players that but, have played under him, love his training sessions. There is yeah. structure there. There is a plan. There is some form of an identity. And my worry is that at the moment, we're 68 days since Mourinho was sacked and we're no further forward from making an appointment. Pre-season is less than two weeks away. You know, Man City, again, we're talking what, less than a couple of months. We've got to have somebody in. And my worry is that, every, you know, are we going to be able to do this with every appointment? Shout and scream on social media. My worry is, who are we going to end up with? Look, hopefully the club can do right and don't need me or any other fans screaming and shouting. Hopefully the club can just get an attacking manager in. Look, we were going to humble ourselves and second with Fonseca. We weren't going to scream about it. We got upset at the beginning. We watched a few compilation videos and did a bit of research and we were going to settle with that. So... Uh, and the club pulled that off the table, went with Catuso. The club just needs to get an attacking manager. We'll back it. As soon as the manager's appointed, even if it is Nuno, right? I'll scream and shout until he's appointed. As soon as he's appointed, I'll back him, right? But I'm being realistic. I can see the fans 
myself included, that for, you know, first, second, third game, if we're sitting back on leads again, having done it for 18 months, we won't do it again. We're not going to stomach that again. It's not acceptable. We're Tottenham Hotspur. We're playing attacking, exciting brand of football. We've always done it. Whether or not it wins things is a different matter. But we've always had those attacking players. And to just stop that, especially when we had Sun Kane and Bale, I mean, the misuse of Bale last year was an absolute crime. Crime against football from the fossil, you know? Crime against football. Um, and to see that he can play three games in a week for Wales, and for us, we were told he couldn't do two in a week over a whole season, just crazy. But there we go. So look, they just need an attacking appointment. That's all I ask for. And we'll all get behind it. We always do, you know? When it comes to it, we'll get behind him, the manager. But if it's a defensive appointment, someone who's going to sit on leads, that isn't going to wash. And we're going to be sure. Is that your remit, John, for you? You just want an attacking manager? Yeah, I really do. I feel like we've got good players. If you just give them confidence and say, go out and them, attack them. Look, do we need new centre-halves? Absolutely. We cannot carry on with the mess we've had at the back. I think Joe Roden has proved himself over the Euros. I'd like to build the back four around him now. I think he's young. He'll get better, more experienced every game he plays. Put in a top-draw centre-half alongside him. And we're moving. You no, know, things are looking a bit better straight away. But we need an attacking manager, 100%. Let's come round to you. I mean, just to kind of, you know, just summarise on Nuno, just to kind of finish this off. You know, some will say Spurs need that tough character that's going to pick up the pieces, unite the club again after the recent PR disasters. There's one thing about Santo that, you know, does scream out that he is a very strong, no-nonsense leader. You speak to a lot of these Wolves players that have publicly said, you know, he does have a plan, does have an identity. Yes, the brand of football is questionable, but what he does do, he does go in there and every player knows their job. And I feel with Tottenham, pretty much towards the end of Mourinho's reign. I think you could question that a lot of these players didn't know their job. Hoybier was doing two people's roles at one time. That's why he looked absolutely knackered towards the end of the season. Whatever we think, it needs somebody to go in there now and lay out a plan and lay out an identity. Could it not be Nuno in your mind? So tough. I mean, I'll give you a number. 756. Does anyone know what that is? 756 days of unhappiness since I've been happy as his first <laughs> 756 days you're right since we lined up in a Champions League final and we are we are we are where we are right now in the mess that we are in talking the way we are 756 days since we lined up in a Champions League final and th- this is where we're at look to answer your question because I know you want me to answer that of course um it could be no no and, and look, I'm not completely against Nuno Espirito Santo coming into our football club and doing a fantastic job. I remember he was linked loosely with the Arsenal job when uh, Unai Emery was there. And as a Spurs fan, I would have been thinking, oh, I don't really want Nuno to go there because he might do a really good job. So I remember fe- feeling a little bit like that. So look, it's not as, uh, it's, uh, it, there's nowhere near as bad as some of the appointments, like, w- which it could have been like Catuso, for example. Having said that, I'll go back to my... And I'm sorry to baff on about the plan, but we need a plan. I talked about 756 days since we was in the Champions League final. What is the next 756 days going to hold for Tottenham Hotspur Football Club? And that's what we need to do. I want somebody to tell me what the plan is, what the map is. If it's Nuno, it's Nuno. If it's Parker, it's Parker. If it's Potter, it obviously t- turn us down, so it ain't going to be him. But if it's Potter, if it's Ten Hag, now th- this is, you know, get it sorted and get and get the um, the club into a situation where we can start. H- how can we start thinking about transfers in a window where we absolutely need transfers and absolutely, when we haven't even got a manager? This is the problem. This is a major, major problem. So yes, Rick, it could be Nuno. And Nuno could come in and do a decent job. 
but I don't, I'm not inspired by that. So I can't sit here and say, I'm, you know, look, and, and like, the, the, like the lads have said, and like most of the listeners, I will back everyone. I back Christian Gross, for God's sake. You know, even, and I backed him and I, I will back him. I'll back a Fonseca with the mask on. I'll back, you know, all, all these managers because they are the managers of our football club. But we ain't got a manager of our football clubs. There's no one to back. There's nothing to get behind. I'm absolutely dreading. Now, my birthday, by, by all accounts, send me some wishes if you want. My birthday is the 14th of August, right? It's the best day of the year, by the way. And um, I know for Teeth, Sky have done me a right favour. Sky have done me a proper favour by moving that game to the Sunday. Proper favour. Yeah, because yeah. it's just going to ruin It's going to ruin my weekend again. The season's not even... It's like, what, seven weeks away and I'm still getting ruined every weekend by Tottenham. It's just, just mental. Give me a plan. I'm a simple bloke with simple things. All I want to know is what your ambition is, Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, where we're going and how long is it going to take us roughly to get there? And I, and I can get on board with that. And I can get back to being Mr. Positive and driving the, uh, the, the, the uh, instructing the crazy train and all that really good stuff. I, I like John. That, that's what I said earlier. I, I'm like, I'm really positive guy. I'm not a negative bloke. This club is doing me. It's absolutely doing me because of all of the stuff that we're talking about. Three weeks I haven't been on this brilliant pod, by the way. I absolutely love this place. We're still talking about the same thing. Three weeks. It's unbelievable. It just says it all. I just, look, Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, please, just get a manager in that that is going to work on the DNA and where we need to be. Work with the youth. Get us a plan. We are going to be, in the next 756 days, we are going to be in a final, another final. We're going to be challenging for the top four. We're going to be giving ourselves an opportunity. And, and, And like the boys have just said, you know, throughout the pod, Rick, we, we, I know it sounds ridiculous, but we wasn't that far away. We was not that far away. Liverpool were five points behind us in the run-up, you know, uh, to, to get in top. They finished third. We could have done it. With some, some, some stability and some plans and buy-in, we could have got top four this season. We absolutely could have done it. And we didn't because of the mess that we are. So just get some stability in. And if it is Nuno, Rick, if it is Nuno, I'll back him all day long. But we need progressive football. That is clearly what we need as football, as Tottenham Hotspur fans. I think um, whether or not this is a winning mentality or not, whether or not this is right or wrong, whether or not anyone has an opinion on it, Tottenham Hotspur need to play free-flowing attacking football. And if we let in two and only score one, but we've attacked and given it a go, whether or not that's right or wrong, I think that's okay. And and, and I I just can't stomach another five men in the back, defending a one-nil lead. I, I can't do it again for another season, and I and I won't. I'll be putting my season ticket on the ticket exchange, mate. Hundred percent. Well, listen, we are going to go for our final break of the show. When we return, we'll be discussing pre-season. Just a very brief talk about pre-season, and we've got a few more listener questions we want to throw your way. So, not go anywhere. We're back after our final break of the show. Hello and welcome back to the third and the final part of the last word on Spurs. Time to dedicate some time to your listener questions. As I mentioned earlier in the show, we've had over 70 come in this week. So thank you ever so much for all the questions that come into us. John, I'm going to start with you. This question here is from David Ellis, who says, the Nagelsmann blowout was the catalyst for all trouble we're in now. Everything to have not nailed him down before the second of Jose was the worst decision Levy's made. He was never coming. The Super League goal was blinding Levy. Can we have a decent future with Daniel Levy in charge? Here's a quick fire, John. So I'm not sure how quick fire you can make that question. 
yeah, that's, that's a question for the whole pod. But in short, yes, get me a proper manager in. Things look more positive straight away. Okay, perfect. Let's come around to you next, Matt. Again, these are quick fire. Uh, that Tottenham group says, who would you like to be appointed? I would like Steven Gerrard. This is where he personally says he feels he brings a relation to personality and experience will be a good fit for the current squad. If I was to ask you, Matt, right now for you, who would be your manager if you had to pick? I mean, suppose we already had their pick this summer. They've gone for about 15 different names. So who would you like, Matt, if it was uh, the option on the table for you? Uh, my dream appointment will be Pochettino. But if we're talking realistic now, I'd take Christophe Galtier from Lille. Okay, yeah, he's still available. Very quickly, guys, just we'll have to ask this to you guys as well. Um, Lee, right now, if you had the choice of who you would like, who would that be as of this moment? Maurizio Pochettino all day long. Uh, not even a not even a, a question. That's unrealistic. I would still go, go all out for Brendan Rodgers. Think he's quality. That's obviously unrealistic. So I would go for a plan. I would go for a project and I would go for a... If I can't get Ten Hag, then I'd go for a Scott Parker. Okay, interesting. John? No to Nuno, no to Gattuso. Who are you saying yes to? My, my answer is almost exactly as Lee, the ones he named. I'd also make a desperate last grovelling apology to Conte, try and get that over the table. You know, I, I think that, that would just lift the entire club. If that Massive happen, game changer, wouldn't it, John? That would be a natural. If, if, imagine this, right? Because imagine if all of a sudden the U-turn happened and Conte came, it would be absolutely outrageous that it would be completely different because we all know that Conte's a winner. We all know that he wants a load of money for transfers. We all know that he'll keep Harry Kane. Like we, I, I think they are three key things. So all of a sudden, if he comes, you'll be thinking, oh, hang on a minute, but Kane's definitely staying. It, we're, gonna, we're, we're hopefully going to win something, although we've all fought out against Jose. But, and, and we're going to get some money because he won't sign without money, would he? So that would be an interesting Look, I, I just feel with the players we have, and let's stand this on the positive, the players we have, with Conte as the manager, we would get in the top four. We'd be back where we belong on an upward trajectory. We really would. I think he's that good a manager. He lifts the ability of players to higher levels than they've been giving us, you know? And that would be enough. We weren't that far off the top four. Get a proper manager. Beg Conte. Please, Tottenham, I'm begging you. You could release 10 shirts and Muggins here would buy all 10 of them if you announced Conte. You heard it here first. As much as I think that's unrealistic now, you listen, you never know. Um, Question here we've had that's coming out of you, uh, Matt, again. This is from Debo1980, uh, Dustin, who says, How impressed have you been by Hoy Pierre at the Euros? With his offensive side showcased more during this tournament, does it give you the confidence that he and Skip will be a great midfield pairing to come in the season ahead? Yeah, I, I think it does. It, of course, depends on which manager comes in and what sort of freedom he gets in that team. But his assist, his chances created, his, his leadership within that team, everything about him, I think he's a, he's, a, he's a big candidate for player of the tournament. And if he can get a bit more on the front foot for Spurs in the coming seasons, I think there's a, more of a monster in there that we could happily unleash. OK, brilliant. Lee, let's come back around to you. Eddie Gomez, 83, says, if we can keep Skip ahead, wishful thinking, what are your thoughts on next season's squad defensively? Does Roden and Tanganga stay or go on loan? What about Toby and Sanchez and Davis? Seems like Fabio wants to change it up. I'm not opposed to it, but who comes in? Lee, difficult probably to answer that question about a manager, but in terms of players not leaving yet and players not coming in, how much does that concern you as we are heading towards pre-season in under a week? Well, I'm actually really excited. I'm excited to see Cesc back in the Tottenham Hotspur shirt. I'm excited to see Skip back in the Tottenham Hotspur shirt. You know, two really brilliant young players. Very, very excited from the Athletic uh, reporting earlier this week uh, through Jamie at the Daily Hotspur and John Venom as well, who's, uh, who's with us tonight, um, on uh, Anderson, potentially uh, uh, potentially coming to the football club as well. But again, that's on the manager. You know, some fantastic... You know, I, th I think we need to go out and, and, and sign a, an absolute worldy centre-back. That's personally my view. 
you, like a, a, a Ruben Diaz, uh, look at what he did to City. Um, you know, a Virgil van Dijk, look at what he did to Liverpool. We, we, we need that type of individual to come into, the, into, into our back four. I think Rodon's been excellent. Uh, I love Tanganga as well, one of our own. So, you know, hopefully that they can... I'm not sure on Tanganga, maybe he needs to go out on loan. He's only 20. So maybe he does need to do it alone. And if you look at, uh, John's better to answer me, but if you look at Skip doing what he's done at Norwich and he, he's going to come back an outstanding player. So you know, maybe Skip even stays another uh, a year in the Premier League with Norwich and not with us. But I do, I can see him working really well with Hoiberg. I, I think that's why, you know, I come back to that whole plan. If we have a direction of where we're going and what we're doing, there is something to be excited about with Tottenham. I can't wait to be in my seat in 252 and singing and, and singing a song. I can't wait. But, you know, I, I, I can wait if I'm going to be doing, watching football like I've had to under AVB, under Tim Sherwood, yeah. under Jose Mourinho. Do you know what I mean? And mm. that's the problem that we've all got. So, you know, I, I think that there's um, there is stuff to be excited about if we can... I don't think that, you know, when I say hurry up, and I think all of us, you know, we haven't hurried up already six, seven days, but when um, we need to make that appointment, once it's done, we can then start getting excited about the players. I'll throw another person in. People are talking about Martinez. People are talking about Gareth Southgate. People are talking about, you know, uh, uh, managers in the Euros. What about Roberto Mancini? Who would have him? Italian connection. I've done him with a paratici. I've done him with a George Mendes agent. I think he's on a very long-term contract. Just signed a five-year contract. But what does that matter? Harry Kane's got three years left on his contract. Still wants to leave. So The media wouldn't do that for Tottenham, would they? They wouldn't be linking Mancini with what's going on. It's only Spurs. No, for sure, for sure. But But I totally agree. Mancini would be an insane appointment. That would be insane. Insane appointment. Insane. Like Premier League experience, won titles with City. No, you know, he's he's got that gravitas. Fantastic manager. Plays brilliant football with Italy as well. So, so look, there's another name to throw in the hat. I'm sure he's not even being linked. But I think there is stuff to get excited about, but, but it's very difficult because it's so up in the air. All we want as fans is to know where we're going. Is, isn't it, isn't it, lads? Isn't it yes, this totally agree. direction to where we're going? Yeah. If it's going to take us, hear me out quickly, if it's going to take us three years, I know that sounds horrible, but if it's going to take us three years to get back into the top four, that's okay if we know... That's where we're going. When Poch came in, it was a five-year plan. It was a project. We are going there. Now, stuff that was happening off the pitch, alongside stuff that's happening on the pitch, was just insane. It was amazing. And what should have happened, but there's no guarantees in football and it changed so quickly. But what should have happened is it should have, um, uh, building the stadium, finishing the stadium and everything like that should have also married up with us being the best, the best team in, in you know football team as well. And actually, it nearly happened. Seven fifty-six days ago, it was in the Champions League final, and that would have happened. We only opened, we opened the stadium. What was it, lads and listeners? What three, two months before that was it? April against Crystal Palace that we opened the stadium, and then June, first of June was in Champions League final. So that nearly happened. That killed us. It killed so many of us. It killed the dreams. It killed the the the, the, mo- the motivation. It, it killed some of the players' desire. The team was breaking up. This is the painful rebuild. Poch warned us to, uh, about it. We, we've all, we're all going for it right now. Every time we do one of these shows, every time we talk about Tottenham, this is the painful... This is it. We are in the mixer. So actually, we've gone through half of it. Maybe there's still another load of hard yards to go, which is horrible, but it's not the full rebuild because we've already halfway through it. So actually, maybe there is some, some, some um, light at the end of the tunnel. But then we'll leave in the board and the club needs to come out and give us that light at the end of the tunnel. This is where we are. This is where we're going. Let's rock on. And we can all get behind that. We can all get behind a dream, can't we? 
I totally agree. Before we go around to Matt, I just want to quickly go back to John. John, question here from Kyle Calderelli. Just how many players would you realistically like to see leave the club this summer? You again were very vocal in terms of saying there's been that lack of devil being moved on. How many players are we looking at, John, for you that you'd like to be moved on? I've also got to ask you the question as well about Skip and Sessie Young. How excited are you to see these young players coming back to Tottenham? Firstly, how many players would like to move on? At least six or seven, but you know, easily. The only players who moved on so far were those at the end of their contracts or in the case of Foyf, where a club had a, a, a purchase option, which they took up. So nothing on our terms has been arranged other than contracts expiring. Not acceptable. Six or seven should go. Uh, very delighted to have Skip coming back. I think he's actually very, very good. And it won't be long. A couple of games, even maybe even within pre-season, if he's, uh, he's got some sort of injury at the moment, if that clears up, um, won't be long till he's one of the first names on the team sheet. You know, he's a tenacious, tackling, you know, hard midfielder who demands the ball demands a level from his uh, you know, teammates despite his young age. I think he'll be an outstanding acquisition alongside uh, Hoybier and you'll very quickly see the likes of Lazelso and Endombele struggling to get in the team because those two have already cemented their position. So I'm very excited for Skip to come back. I think he'll bring us up another level. I think he's very, very good. Sessegnon as well. You know, We've only got, remember, two seasons ago, go, he scored 16, 17 goals for Fulham from left-back. I mean, he had insane stats, won the Championship Young Player of the Year. He's now had a couple of years acclimatising. He had that year with Fulham. He's just done a year in the Bundesliga. Got some decent numbers there. Also playing Europa League football. So, yeah, I think he's going to be a good option for us. And I'm confident enough that I would sell Ben Davis to generate some funds and have Regulon and Sessignon as my backup. And we've also got young Dennis Sturkin as well. John, I think it's a perfect segment as well to talk about very quickly your brand new podcast that you've got now, you know, from Lily White Rose. It's an inside into really what is happening at Hotspur Way, the new players that are becoming coming into hopefully the Spurs' first team in time coming by. Um, and I think, again, John, it really gives some listeners, you know, the inside real link in terms of the development at Hotspur Way. And there is a real bright future behind the scenes. It might not feel like it right now in terms of the first team, what's going on with the manager and the current affairs, but just give us a little bit of insight, John, into what's going to be coming in these podcasts that you've got planned, because me as a Spurs fan, I want to know what's going on in the youth. I want to know what's going on around the whole football club, and your podcast is going to give us the real insights of what is going on with the youth at Tottenham. Yeah, look, anyone who's followed my Twitter page for the last 10 years or so will know I'm very passionate about the youth. I managed to watch a lot of the games. I've managed to put up a good network of people connected with the club at that level, um, and I just want to share that knowledge with people. People seem interested in it especially at a time like this where people are disillusioned with the first team. They want to hear something positive about Tottenham. My short bulletin-style pod will aim to give that to people. You know, it explains the results. It explains the players, what we can expect from them. It will tell you about players who've renewed their contracts, players leaving the club, players signing scholarship terms. Um, and it's going to be a complete overview on everything that's happening at Hotspur Way. And I'll be bringing this out weekly throughout the season. I've had some really good feedback and numbers on it already. So if you guys haven't heard it yet, please do check us out. It's only 15 to 20 minutes. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to giving you guys some content throughout the year. And we're looking forward to listening, John. Really, really guys, like, good stuff. We're looking forward to that. Matt, we're going to just really briefly touch upon preseason for the next couple of minutes because, as we know, Spurs have announced that they're going to be part of preseason games against Chelsea and Arsenal in this, I say, mind charity event and a real bit of goodwill from Spurs being involved. Um, not sure how those results will go in terms of how it's going to impact preseason. But from your perspective, you know, we understand the sports science staff are ready and are waiting to begin pre-season in terms of if they are going to be the ones that need to cover that off if we haven't got a manager appointed. Just thoughts on that for you, Matt. What do you think about that? If we haven't got a manager in time, does that concern you having the sports science staff running that position? 
Yeah, I, I think it definitely does. Um, look, to be honest, I haven't looked too much into preseason because of everything that's gone on. But uh, yeah, look, having a sports science staff run and all that is, is is definitely a concern. You know, there's a lot of players who who may have their their futures up and down a bit who could be wondering, well, why am I here when there's there's no one actually running the show? But um, look, I, I do agree. It's it's a brilliant bit of a, a goodwill by the the club doing uh, this. And the good thing about preseason is the results don't matter. You know, it's about going out and. Uh, doing this this little bit for uh for charity and all that and you know giving the chance again to, to like those young players getting their uh, their game time and things like that and preseason is always an enjoyable thing you know I'd be that type of guy who'd be up uh, four o'clock in the morning watching a dodgy stream from a game in America as to to get that bit as far as in but uh yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing them back on the pitch and hopefully some some positives can come from it as well can I just come in there guys just on, on you know we said the results don't matter but the second of those two games is against Arsenal at the new stadium right can you imagine with the mind Championship on the line. Arsenal coming to the new stadium. We're going to have to beat them or get something to, to stop them winning that trophy. Now, that oh could be a God, disaster. Without a manager, potentially, John. We've got to have a new it manager could be before a, then. a nightmare. Mm. It could be an absolute nightmare. You know, them winning something at the ground before us. I'm Is that brave of the club to, to be announcing this, John? To want to go into this competition without a manager at the moment? Well, we certainly shouldn't have been playing them in the last game of the three-part tournament. I would have avoided that <laughs> at all costs, mate. I can tell you. It could be a nightmare. Maybe it might be Conte. Maybe they've got something we don't know. Maybe it might be Conte. This could be a big, you know, a big uh, hurrah with Conte coming in for these games. Hopefully, I tell you, hopefully. Oh my God! Listen, it's been a been a revelationary hour or so. It's uh, I say touching base about Tottenham. It feels like nothing much has changed, but you've got to think that something is going to give in this next week or two. And like I say we're we'll back on the last word on Spurs here weekly to follow just exactly what is happening with this football club. Let me say my thanks to the wonderful Lee McQueen. I'm going to say a massive thank you, John. We're looking forward to this, in this podcast, John. Thank you so much. Thank you, mate. Really appreciate that. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on. Oh, my pleasure. And if we can sign some players that make a debut like Matt, God will be safe. Matt, thank you so much for making your debut. A real pleasure. And we'll hopefully have you on throughout the new season. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ricky. Uh, like I said, an, an honour to make my debut on here. Uh, so thanks for, for getting me on. Uh, hopefully we'll be on again soon. You can find me on YouTube at Matt Hayes Tottenham Blog. News bulletins, reactions and podcast style videos all about Tottenham's pursuit of a manager, if it ever ends. Uh, transfer videos as well and a whole lot more when the season starts we're hoping for 10k by the start of the season so uh i love any support that anybody could give our absolute pleasure listen guys most importantly keep safe keep well a new manager is coming who it is remains to be seen but as always keep the faith and come on you spurs sports social podcast network